So today is, uh, well, we've designated as, as our Senior Sunday. Um, it's our day that we um, honor our, our graduates, our seniors. Um, you know, I'm used to, on senior, our seniors used to always sit up front, and now it would be like, you know, middle school graduation. I'm, I'm up, up front here. Sorry, Eve, you're older than that. But, but, but I know that you guys are out there in the audience. I see you there. I, I see you there. So, so you guys, I, I want to I speak to our seniors this morning, but, but the message is not just to the seniors because what, what everyone else in, in this room understands is that the same struggles and the same obstacles and the same opportunities that they have, they're true throughout life. You know, we're, we're coming to the end, or you guys are coming to the end of, of an awful lot of work, right? You, you, you've put in all of these hours and all, all of these years of your life, and, and now it's almost like that there's this great finale. But what I want you to understand is that when you have your high school graduation over the next few weeks, it's not really a finale. It's really just the beginning, right? Even literally we, what we call a commencement ceremony uh, to commence actually means to begin, to launch out into life. And so over and over in, li- in, in your life, you're going to feel like you're coming to the end of something. You're, you're achieving something. You're, 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 you're getting to, to the end of something. But the truth is, it's just the beginning of another phase. It's just the beginning of another, of another uh, challenge, of another opportunity, uh, whether they be um, physical opportunities or monetary opportunities, whether it be your job or your family. We, we, all of us find ourselves going through that progression. And, and I'm by no means about to graduate from high school, but, but I'm stepping into a new part of my life. And we constantly find ourselves doing that. And so what we're going to say this morning really will apply to everyone in this room, uh, whether you are in middle school or you're graduating high school or you're in our Silver Threads class. Every one of us in this room is part of the, a part of this thing that we call life. And so what we're trying to do is figure out, well, where are we really going? Like what, what is this really all about? I mean, high school graduation, that, that'd be a great thing, right? Um, and then the college graduation, and then all these achievements in life. But, but what, what is it really all about? And, and I'm very much convinced that we, we have to be very clear about redefining our goal in life. What on earth are we here for? What, 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 what are you going to school for? Uh, what are you raising those kids for? Well, what, are you, what are you going to work for? See, because everybody does that, but it can be a very meaningless thing. As a matter of fact, all those things are meaningless things to a lot of people unless we're really clear about what our end goal is. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is going to bring up a conclusion of an argument, and we're going to kind of look back at what he says before this. But in verse 16, he says, I want you to pay close attention to yourself. So what I'm asking us to do is to look at ourself. And really, I'm asking that every time that I stand before the church, right? I'm not... I'm not really asking you to look at the world. I'm not asking you to look at the person next to you. I'm asking you to think really seriously about your own walk with God. Where does Wes Hazel fit into what I'm seeing in the Scriptures? I want you to pay attention to this. See, people who think they don't have to pay attention, people who think, well, there is no struggle, and I've got this figured out, and I don't have to, they're just not very self-aware, okay? Because we all have these struggles. No matter our age, no matter our place in life, he says, pay close attention to yourselves and to your teaching. I want you to persevere in these things. 
There are some things that I may do quite well today that I may struggle with tomorrow, and things that I may struggle with today that, I'm, that I, may, I may do quite well with tomorrow, but I want to continue in those things that are good. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourselves and for those who hear you. That's the goal. It's about salvation. Sometimes we, we, we said in our class this morning, what is true success? To live your life and to go to heaven. And for all the different ways that we might define success, that's it. To live your life and to go to heaven. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? But it's really not more complicated than that. Because there are all these different other ways that, 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 that the world defines success. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't live your life and go to heaven, then you fail. It's, it, it's, it's an incomplete, it, it, it's not fulfilling its purpose. So wherever you are in your life, wherever you are in this, in this journey of faith, to live your life and to go to heaven, Paul says, I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to give some thought to that. I want you to persevere in that so that you might ensure salvation. That salvation has implications for everyone that's around you. It has implications for your spouse and for your children and for your coworkers and even for your neighbors. But, but before we get to those implications, he says, this has implications for you. Because I can't save someone if, 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 if I haven't been saved. I can't show someone what the light looks like if I'm not walking in the light. So Paul says, that's the goal. I want us to, to redefine it. Now, for us, in many ways, it means that we have to, to back away from, from, from what sometimes we, we might just refer to as, as the American dream. The American dream is a great dream, isn't it? I mean, most of us are living the American dream. And even whether we know it or not, the rest of the world looks at us and says, there's something special about the life that they live. But, but I want us to understand that if that's our only dream, that that's insufficient, See, lots of people look at their life and, and, and they, will, they will say, what do, you, what do you want from life? And we, we start to rattle things off and, and, and it fits pretty neatly into our box of, you know, um, I, I want to finish school, right? Um, I want to get a good job. Um, I want to uh, find a spouse, husband, wife, uh, maybe, um, maybe have children. A lot, I mean, I think that's probably part of the part of the American dream, right? I want to I want to want to have some offspring, a little be a little you know perfect if I could have a little girl and a little boy, and and I want I'd like to have a I'd like to have a nice house. I, I'd like to have a, a nice car, right? Maybe um, take some nice vacations along the way. Uh, grow old uh, in, in health. Right? I mean, if I didn't have some sort of a debilitating disease, that would probably be a, a, a good thing. You know, I could avoid major surgeries. Uh, you know, um, I want to have a, I'd like to have a fun retirement where, I mean, I could have some freedom to do the things that I wanted to do and, and die easy. And well, I don't really want one of these painful deaths. You know, if I could just kind of ease off in my sleep after a lot of years, just kind of die easy. No hell. I think a lot of people would look at that and they would say, that's what I want. I mean, if I could have all of those things, then, then that, that, that would be ideal. And can I tell us, if, if we think that that's the goal, then our life, we're setting our lives up to be an incredible tra tragedy. To be an incredible tragedy that misses out on the very purpose of life, and that is to be with the Lord. 
That is to walk in this life in His light and in His glory. That is to be something bigger and a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's what Paul says, why Paul says, I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to meditate on these things. I want you to persevere in these things. Because I want your life to be more about more than just, than just getting a job and not getting sick and, 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 and taking a nice vacation. Paul says your life may or may not involve all those things. I don't know. You, you can be a Christian with or without those things, okay? But, but if that's all our life is, then we fail. Because life is intended to be more than that. So, so back up in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and listen to a couple of the things that, that, that he's going to say. Listen to a couple of the things that, that, that he's going to say. All the way back to verse 12. And, and he says this. He says, let no one despise your youth. Oh, when, when, when I was a young person, this time I was a young preacher. Um, guys, I, started, I was in the pulpit at 21 right? So imagine uh, people, sometimes people struggle with that. Uh, if a 21-year-old gets up to preach today, I just want to, I'll be honest, I struggle with it, okay? I mean, I, he's like, what does he know, right? You, you're probably, I'm 41, and some of you guys are thinking the same thing about me. I got you, right? Pointing a finger, I got it. But, but, I, but I used to love this verse because I was like, you see there? Don't be despising my youth, right? You need to respect me because, because, of, because of who I am. That's not what he's saying there. He's saying, he's saying, not you ought to be elevated because of your youth. He's saying your youth ought not be an excuse for people to dismiss you because. See, the, 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 there are certain reasons. that the, the, There's a certain type of young person that you ought to be. And just because you're in this room this morning, just because you're sitting in this auditorium, it doesn't mean that you're worshiping God. It doesn't mean that, that, that God is being praised. It doesn't even mean that, that we're an example for the world. So maybe, maybe youth ought to be despised. But there's a certain type of youth. He says, don't let them despise your youth. When you are an example, when you are an example to the believers in word, it means that, that you, stand amongst, you stand amongst your own brethren and, 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 they, and they can look and they can say, that's what a child of God looks like. That's the thing that's to not be despised. When you can be that sort of an example... An example in word, in the things that you say, in the things that, that you don't say, in conduct, in the things that you do, in the things that, that, that you don't do, in the way that you love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He says, he says to be this, this individual that stands as, as an example in purity itself. And I know that sometimes, sometimes we define Christianity that American green as that American dream just without sin in it. And I know that it's so much Christianity is so much more than that, but it's not less than that. It's not less than that. He says, I want you to be someone who stands out as an example, as light in a world of darkness. Because I'm going to tell you, we live in a world that has no clue about what morality really stands for, about what the big deal is. You start having conversations about what is right and what is wrong, what is moral or immoral, and those are, those are categories that are even disappearing from our world, or if they're not disappearing, they're being strangely redefined in our world today. But, but people don't really understand what, it, what, what morality is about. See, we think about morality as like, well, all of the thou shalt's and the thou shalt not's. 
You know, you, you do these things and you don't do these things. No, morality is not just about some artificial list that someone has produced of what they think is good behavior or bad behavior for you to engage in. Morality is about reflecting the very image of God to a world that doesn't know God. Did you hear me? Morality is about reflecting the very image of God to a world that doesn't know God. Sometimes we, we might say, you might be the only sermon that someone ever, ever, ever hears in your life. You may be the only glimpse of God that the world ever sees. And when they look at you, they ought to see purity. And I would say that to you whether you are 18 or whether you are 88. We are to be pursuing moral purity so that we might be an example Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, he says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the, to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. All of those things that you used to do, all those things that, 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 that you have great temptation to do. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody, I mean, that, that we all should know, right? He says, don't do those things. Why? Because he who called you is holy. See, morality is not about me. It's not about me making my, my grandma happy. It's not about me fulfilling some social construct of, of, our, of, our, of our society. Morality is about reflecting God because He who called you is holy. So you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. I'm not trying to show the world how great I am. He says, let, let no one despise your youth. You be an example. An example so people will say, well, isn't Wes great? Listen, if you think Wes is great, you're going to be real disappointed when you really find out. Isn't that true about every one of us? We're to be an example so that we can show how great our God is. Let me show you His holiness. Morality is about the nature of God itself. But I'm telling us, we live in a world that knows nothing about morality. We live in a world that's not too concerned about morality. Is that a fair statement? I mean, I'm not saying there aren't any, any people in our world that care about morality. I, think, I hope that you, as, as God's people, care about morality. But most of the world doesn't care about morality. Most of the world doesn't care what words come out of your mouth. They don't care what you do with your body. They, 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 they don't care what you do with your time. They don't care what you look at with your eyes or, or do, I mean, whatever. They don't care. And so when we start talking about morality, this, this becomes a real rubbing point as we try to live in the world. We don't see people in the Bible going off and just, you know, living in some sort of a, a, a monastic sort of life, living in a monastery and pulling ourselves completely away from the world. No, we see something much more difficult than that. We see people actually living as Christ in a world that is filled with darkness. We see Jesus going in to eat with sinners, but not just to eat with sinners. He goes in there to actually teach the sinners. You look it up. Some people like to say that Jesus hung out with sinners. That's not in my Bible, okay? But Jesus spent a lot of time with sinners, telling them about a better way. It's real easy for me to go and just kind of be and hang out with the world. You go hang out with the world and, you, and hey, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about a better way of life. Let's talk about sin. Let's talk about right and wrong. That's hard. That's hard, but I'm telling us that's what Jesus did. You start reflecting God. 
I'm saying to our young people and to our old people, we must be people who pursue moral purity. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil companions corrupt good morals. Now, why, why does he say don't be deceived there? Well, because we're pretty easily deceived. Because, I, I mean, young and old, we, 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 want, we want to approach the sin of the world and we like to say, well, now, that won't impact me. I, 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 I mean, those people, they, they, they won't have any, any influence on me. That's just foolishness. That's just foolishness. I remember, I remember my, my wife talking about um, after we got married, we moved to Illinois because I had a job preaching there, uh, and she finished up her bachelor's and her, her graduate work at, at Southern Illinois University. And, and she talked about, it was the first time in her life she'd ever been on the campus of a secular university, but, but she talked about how different it was and how sin was just a part of life. It was everywhere. I remember one, one comment that, that she made to me, and my wife was one of the good girls. I mean, she was the preacher's wife, right? So, so she didn't hang out with, with, the, terrible, with the terrible crowd, but she, she hung out with the good girls. And this is almost 16 years ago. And, and she, said, she, she said, even the good girls live with their boyfriends. That's just what people do. Even the good kids are sexually active. We're not talking about a Christian environment. We're talking about a, a, a secular, worldly environment. That, that's where we're all going to live at some point, right? So, so you want to stand out. It's, you don't just stand out as one of the good kids. It's a lot more than that. I don't think that's appropriate. I, I don't think we ought to be doing this whenever we go out on Friday night. We're, we're going to be in these atmospheres where, listen, young people, old people, I guess I could say also, if you find yourself in an environment where, where you're surrounded by people who are, who are imbibing in, in alcohol or who are imbibing in, 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 different, sort of, uh, in different sort of drugs for, for the purpose of, of getting a buzz off those things or, 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 or you know, dulling their senses because of those things, and that's what they're not there with prescription orders from their doctor, okay? They're there for the party atmosphere. Why do I want to be around that? Because it's going to impact you. It's going to impact. You can say all day it won't. I'm telling you, the Bible says don't be deceived. I've known people better and stronger than you that were impacted by those things. So, so if we're going to be in this daily pursuit, one of the things that we're going to have to give attention to is pursuing moral purity in all the ways that that manifests itself. And there are many. As many ways as man can find a sin, we, we, we must pursue purity in those things. Not so I can tell someone about me hey, why don't you do this? Like, I'm noticing everybody else kind of lives their life this way, but you seem to be different. Well, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God. We need to pursue moral purity. We, we need to pursue the Word. We, we talked several weeks ago about Romans 10, verse 17. That's where faith comes from, right? So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Most people have a weak faith because they don't understand why they believe what they believe. Now, they may have convictions about this is right or this is wrong or we should do this or we shouldn't do that. But, but when it comes down to actually explaining, well, why do you believe that? A lot of people's faith is lost because, because they don't, they're not really grounded in what stands behind that faith. And so that, that's why Paul says to Timothy, I want you to give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 
I want you to give attention to it. Well, you think, well, I mean, he's a preacher. Surely he knows. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I can tell you one thing about this preacher, Timothy. He doesn't know enough. I can tell, that, I can tell you that about your preacher. He doesn't know enough. And the more that you know, the more that you find out that you, I don't know. I need to learn. I need to push myself. I need to give attention to reading God's Word. So one of our points for this month is that a healthy church is made up of people who have a deep theology. And we're going to talk more about that, but ultimately it means we, we don't just know what, what we believe. We know what stands behind that. Not just what I believe, but why do I believe it? So why are we here today? Why are we here today? I mean, Sunday for most of the world is the day off, right? Easy like Sunday morning. That's not a good church-going person who wrote that song. <laughs> not at my house, right? Why, why are we here? What's the big deal? Do I understand what today is? Do, do I understand the, the, the theology that leads me to be in this pew this morning? If I don't, if I don't, then when the world pushes at me and when the world says, well, you could do this or you could do that, when you find yourself in a place where the church isn't as strong as it is here and you don't have friends and you don't have family and all these things, of, you don't know why you believe. And you start to come into this, this situation of, well, you know, listen, what is today, guys? Today is the Lord's day. Today is the Lord's day. And it goes beyond, I need to be here because the Bible says I'm supposed to be here on Sunday. Because it's so far beyond that. Today is the day. Today is the day that our Lord and our Savior rose from the grave. Today is the day that everything changed. It's not a Christian Sabbath right? It's not our day of rest. It's our day that we worship God, that we, that we honor Him as the one who rose from the grave. That's what the first century church did. See, today is significant. Today is significant because of that. Well, why would somebody make such a big deal about baptism? Now, that may seem like a silly question to, to you, to a lot of you who are in this audience, but I'm going to tell you there are a lot of people who have a great deal of passion in their hearts about the Lord, that that's the question they ask. I'll see why you make it such a big deal about baptism. Because I know a lot of people who, 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 who you know, love the Lord and they sacrifice for the Lord and maybe they've never been immersed for the remission of their sins, but, but what, what's the big deal? I don't, see why, I don't see why we can't just accept that. I'm just going to tell you, if I don't know the Word of God, that's a pretty compelling argument. I've been in those Bible studies where people are going to push you on these things. And listen, all I can do is come back to, and, and the scriptures that speak into your mind over and over. Acts 2.38, Romans 6.3, 1 Peter 3.21, Galatians 3, Romans 6. I mean, all of these verses where baptism, immersion is always connected to the removal of sin. Over and over and over. See, that, that, that's how you get to be strong. You, you, you have to pursue the Word. Well, you know, how could it be wrong if a man and a woman love each other for them to be together? Well, same argument. How could it be wrong if a man and a man love each other for them to be together? People ask those things, don't they? So why do we take such stands? Why do we take such stands? Why do we take a stand against LGBT plus Q, I don't know, whatever letters you want to add, relationships? Well, it's because of what we see in the Scriptures. 
But it's also the same reason that we take a stance against adulterous relationships. At, at some point or another, I'm going to find something that there's, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but I know what the Word of God says. But if I don't know what the Word of God says, then I'm going to go with, with, with what seems right to me. And what does the Bible say? That is a way that leadeth to death. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to be in this daily pursuit, part of that has to be the pursuit of the Word. And I sit back and think, well, I know, more, I know more about God in the Bible than most of the people that I meet in the world. Okay, but does that mean that you know anything about God in the Bible? I mean, you know, I watch, I watch my, you know, what's that television show? My, my 600-pound life, something like that. And I'm thinking, ah, pretty skinny. Don't laugh, okay? But I mean, I mean are we, are we, are, is, that, is that really how we're going to compare ourselves? We must grow in our faith. That, that's why I'm, I, hope, I hope that you're involved in re- reading through the New Testament with us as a congregation. And, and if you haven't started that this week, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to start in Mark? where We start Mark chapter 3 today, okay? 30 minutes a day. Some of you said you couldn't do it all in 30 minutes. Get whatever you can get in 30 minutes for the next month and grow in your faith and grow in your understanding. Turn off the television. Put down the phone. Turn off the video games. Start that new, that new habit. Young people, can I tell you something I know about teenagers? These guys that are graduating, they're smart. I mean, I look at their textbooks and the courses that they take, and I think, I don't want to do that again, right? I did it in high school, but I don't, I mean, if you put a, if you put a trigonometry book in front of me, I'd have a problem, okay? It just, I would. It'd take me a long time to catch up on it. But I'm telling you, if you can understand biology, if you can understand algebra 2, you... You can understand the plan of salvation. You can understand it well enough to teach it. Is that reasonable? For, for, some, reason, for some reason, we've entered into this world where, where we think our Bible classes ought to be something that we just show up at, but we do no work out, outside of the time that we're here. And I won't just pick on the teenagers. I'll go all the way up. Do we really think we're going to learn that way? We've got to spend some time in God's Word. And if you can't tell me, I'll say this, I'll say this to anyone who would listen, as, as a Christian, if you can't tell me God's plan of salvation and show me some sort of corresponding Scripture for five steps, if you can't do that, it's because you haven't tried. I mean, it's not like you had. To, I'm asking. I'm saying, if you can't quote all all the New Testament, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the most simple part of our faith. But we, we we don't share it because we don't know how to share it. Paul would write to Timothy in Second Timothy two and verse fifteen. He said, "Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed." We must pursue the Word of God so we don't have to be ashamed. I said in a job interview once, I don't know if I ever told this publicly, to act like you never heard it. Um, I said in a job interview once when I was around 20 years old, and I'd been preaching a little bit, and, and I, I knew my way around the Bible, but I can tell you it was the first time I had another, I had another preacher start asking me questions. Chance you've been in some of those interviews, and, and I was a young man, and he wanted, me to, he wanted me to back things up with Scripture. And I butchered it. I mean, I butchered it bad. Right? 
I think I, I, think I quoted Acts 2.38, said it was Mark 16.16, 16, and some other things. And, and can I tell you, I was really embarrassed. I mean, I wasn't upset that he was asking me the questions. I was just sitting there saying, why don't I know this stuff? Like, he wasn't, he wasn't really asking me hard questions. I just hadn't spent the time. I mean, I, I had a great preacher, right? I sat at the feet of some of the best Bible class teachers that, that exist in this world. I truly believe that, but I, I just hadn't spent the time myself. I could have told you a lot of things about a lot of things, but I didn't know the Word of God. I was really embarrassed about that. And that's when I decided we're going to change that. And I'm still, I can tell you, your preachers, I mean, you, well, you know, I can't, I, can't, I can't quote the whole Bible, okay? Not one of those guys. Love those guys, but that's not who I am. But I'm not going to be ashamed of what I know about the Bible. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. But that's what he's saying to us. There's no need for any of us to be ashamed about those things. We need to spend time studying and sharing God's Word. So to pursue purity and to pursue the Word. And finally, we need to pursue God's glory. Look at what he says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, back up to verse 14. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance and with the laying on of the hands by the presbytery. So he's probably not talking about a miraculous thing here. He's probably just talking about the opportunity the, or, or, or the, the, the authority that's been given to him by the elders that, that, are, that are there. But he's saying, you've been given something. Don't neglect it. And he's not just saying, don't, cease, don't fail to use it. He's saying, don't fail to use it for God's glory. And we need to look at our lives and say, okay, God has blessed me in some way. Well, how am I using what he's done in my life for his glory? I want you to meditate on these things. I want you to give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Don't you love that? That sense of growth that other people are going to look and it's going to be visibly seen when when people look at us. Why? Because we've actually spent some time thinking about how can I use my life for His glory? Not just how can I make sure I come to church on Sunday. How can I use my life for His glory? So, so, So that my life is not just about finish school, get a spouse, raise some kids, have a house, have a car, go on vacation, die easy. And wonderful that happens, but, but it's supposed to be more than that. So how do I use the places, the times and the places that I've been put for His glory? M- Molly, you said uh, you want to be a doctor, right? Talking about med school, right? No pressure, but that's what you said, I think. Wonderful, wonderful. Guess what? You're going to have, you're going to have if, if you go down that road all the way, you're going to have money and influence that most people don't have. That's true, right? I mean, I know heal people, but that's a lot of reason people become doctors, right? They typically have money and influence that other people don't have. Question is, are you going to use that for God? That's a big question, right? Am I going to use it on myself? Or am I going to be this sacrifice for God? Uh, Justin Jackson, you guys are athletes. You, you, you chose, uh, starts with an L where you guys are going to school, but you're going there because you're going to play, play football. Right? Right? That's, I mean, that's, look at your tables. They've got lots of football on them, right? Wonderful. Do, do, you know, do you know 
the impact and the influence that people who play athletics have in our society? It's huge. Look everywhere, right? The question is, are you going to use that influence? Are you going to use that impact for the kingdom of God? Or are we even thinking about those things? So, so, so I'm a math teacher. So I'm, so I'm, so I'm, I'm a businessman. Uh, you know, we could go around the room, right? Wherever life is taking me, wherever I am, how am I going to bring glory to God in these things? That's how we give our life meaning. That's how we pursue His glory and we pursue salvation. It's not about being baptized and then just showing up for however many more years you have. If that's what we think it is, we're going to be completely unfulfilled and we're going to think this life should be something more and we're going to be right. It should be something more. Meditate on these things. Use these things for the glory of God. Get out, set this world on fire, make a lot of money, have power, have influence, you know, family, be, be a rock, all these things. But whatever you do, how does that relate to God? Ecclesiastes, right? I mean, the whole book is what is life about? And maybe it's about money, or maybe it's about pleasure, or maybe it's about wisdom. No, let us see the conclusion of the matter. Right? Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. And if we answer it any other way, we're going to find ourselves lacking. Can I tell you? I don't want to get to the end, to the end of my road. Whenever that is, right? I don't want to get to the end of my road and stand, and stand before God and say, Hey, God, hey, look at my baseball card collection. Hey, God, look at this, look at this car that I'm driving. Hey, God, look, look, at, look at the house that I live in. Hey, God, man, check out my body. I mean... We're all impressed with all of those things, but I don't want to get before my God and, and start saying, check this out, God, because He's not going to be impressed. He's God. I'm easily impressed, right, with all of those things in your life and in mine. God's not impressed with that. God wants to see someone who has died as His son died. I would say to you, whether you are young or whether you are old, don't waste your life. Philippians chapter 1, we'll close with, the, with this verse. How can I tell you, you preach on these things and you think on these things, and, and they are a reminder, they are a reminder of how, how we're not there yet. Right? I'm not there. I'm working on it. And I hope that you're working on it because we're going somewhere. Paul says this is Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. He says, I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I should not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You hear what he's saying? I want Christ to be exalted. I want Christ to be exalted and glorified in my body. Whatever happens. Whether everything I expect to happen happens or my life turns out a complete train wreck from that. I want my life to be about His glory. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, then this will mean fruitful labor for me and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart 
and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. See, Paul changed the end goal. Paul saw everything in his life. It wasn't about this. The end goal is to depart to be with Christ. I'm just asking us to spend 30 seconds thinking about whether or not that's the goal of our life. With everything we do, with all that God has given us, is our goal to be with Christ. Because that, he says, is very much better. Or the world believes it or not. God reveals that to us. The question is, do, do we acknowledge it? Do we care? Friends, if you're outside of Christ, you can't be with Him in eternity if you don't walk with Him today. Understand? So if you're outside of Christ, if you're here and you've never been immersed for the remission of your sins into His death, listen, then you need to get right with Him. Because that's the goal. If you're here and the world is, and your, your life has revolved around the things of the world, you need to get right with Him. You, you might need to repent. You might need to refocus. Walk with God today so that you can walk with Him then. Friends, if you have a need, come this morning as we stand and as we sing.